Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Baseball is Good. My name is Corey Engelhardt. I'm the host, and this is the 26th episode. Um, Before I get started, the last week has been a fun week for me. I kind of brought it up last week, but uh, we sold and closed our house last week, and it was my twin's three-year-old birthday last a week ago today. So I didn't have a show last week. It's been kind of a hectic week, but... um, it's just a, it's been a fun time uh, getting all of these milestones um, happening at once. But um, without further ado, I want to bring my guest on today. It's um, Darren Wolfson is my guest, and I'm really excited to talk baseball with him and hear about kind of what he does on a daily basis and go from there. So one moment. Darren, are you there? I'm here, Corey. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm doing just fine. Congratulations on the life achievements. Yeah, it's been it's been hectic, but but good hectic. I guess you could say it's been um, three year old twins is is new to me. I guess, but it's it's a good time. <laughs> I can only imagine, Corey. I have a six and a three year old. I cannot imagine having two Keatons. My three year old is Keaton. My six year old is Drew. Sure. I couldn't imagine sure. them. And in fact, I just got off the phone with. With my wife, it turns out the three-year-old was a bit aggressive at preschool today. He goes to a to a church by our house for preschool. Sure. Turns out, now normally we don't get that kind of report, but it turns out he was aggressive. He wasn't sharing his toys. He just had a rough day. We haven't gotten that report since he started there in September at the beginning of the school year. So, yeah, it is. It's one thing after another, but I still tell everybody, Corey, nothing tops fatherhood. Oh no doubt, yeah. It, like their their birthday party last week was at a, a store in St. Paul called Choo Choo Bob's that has a bunch sure. of train train mm-hmm. tables in the back of the store. You just kind of hang out. The parents hang out and just watch the kids do their own thing. And their their party was at the store in the back in one of the party rooms. And Clayton is one of my kids, and he really wanted a toy that was like forty bucks in the front of the store, and I just wasn't going to buy it. So he started mm-hmm. screaming on the top of his lungs and and. We've all been there, Corey. He's never done that. So it's like, God, I thought everybody said the twos were supposed to be bad, but then... No, threes are worse. Three-year-olds and four-year-olds, they are way worse. Yeah, when they can actually communicate a little bit, you know, or at least more (laughs) so. Their vocabulary is really good. Yeah, I mean, I would tell anybody, maybe it's different with girls, but with boys, three years old is really the terrible age. It's not two. Yeah, I mean, even tonight, my wife also said she had to run the CVS to pick up some stuff, and sure enough, the three-year-old ventures over because I'm working late tonight on the uh, on the TV side. So the three-year-old sure. ventures over to the toy section at CVS, and he had a meltdown. He wanted something. My wife said no. So he decided <laughs> to throw a tantrum right in the middle of the store. So we've all been there. I can promise you that. Mm-hmm. Wine helps. I know that. Beer, too. It's not it does. <laughs> yes, trust me. We've got that on full <laughs> display at the house. <laughs> That's cool. 
So I I I appreciate you uh, making time just to chat with me. I I it's I I'm really honored, and I I I started this podcast because I I I love the sport of baseball, and I kind of love talking about the sport in terms of how it um how it is a lens how I view life in a sense, and mm-hmm. I I kind of wanted to ask you. We can talk about the winter meetings and and twins moves and that sort of thing, but um. I, I kind of wanted to ask how you, because you you said you had some fun memories when you were younger as a child. How, how did you get to enjoy and appreciate the sport? Well, my late father. I mean, I you know grew to love the game because of him. I was born in Philadelphia in 1980. My dad okay. got a job transfer. He was a medical salesperson. He got transferred from Philadelphia, and he had a choice. It was either Minnesota or Salt Lake City. This would have been 1987. As a 7-year-old, a then 7-year-old, you know, certainly we discussed it as a family. My thought process was, let's go somewhere where they have pro sports. I was this diehard sports fan, even at 7 years old, much like my 6-year-old right now. And I said, hey, (laughs) we have to go to Minnesota. There's not enough pro sports in Utah. You know, you thought about the North Stars. You thought about Mm -hmm. the Vikings. You thought about the Twins. Plus, I knew there was a major university here. So I, th- I thought, hey, Minnesota over Salt Lake City, Utah. Now, certainly it wasn't because of me that we ended up here, but my mom and dad made the decision, okay, it's the Twin Cities. It's not Salt Lake City, Utah. You know, sure. so, you know, we moved here. I grew up in West St. Paul. My dad coached me in Little League a couple of years. Played growing up, you know, until high school. I wasn't quite good enough to play at Henry Sibley High School. But I always had this love for the game because my dad was this diehard Phillies fan. You know, and he sold me on National League Baseball. He always used to tell me I can't stand American League rules. I can't stand the designated hitter. You know, I love the strategy. You know, so I've been a National League guy for the longest time. You know, I've grown to love American League Baseball too, don't get me wrong. You know, but because of my dad, I've grown to appreciate National League rules just a bit more, more so with the, uh, the pitcher hitting. You know, and certainly my love for the game has been passed down to my six-year-old. You know, even now, in the dead of winter, every Saturday morning, we're at the National Sports Center in Blaine. He goes to the Twins Academy. He played fall baseball for the city of Golden Valley. He played in the summer for the city of Golden Valley. You know, he's talking about, you know, all these big dreams and aspirations. And even though deep down I know there's about a 0.1% chance he even can gain a college scholarship, I tell him, hey, you know, dream big, right? I mean, nobody should tell you you can't accomplish something. So I tell him all the time, if you want to play in the majors, dream it, think it, believe it. Mm-hmm. You have to work your ass off, you know, but anything is possible, you know. So, yeah, I mean, we, every morning, you know, we watch MLB Network. You know, my six-year-old falls asleep. He's got he's got the TV in his room. It's just it's easier for him to fall asleep that way. So he falls sure. asleep every night to MLB Network. I'm not making that up. Six years old, MLB Network. <laughs> Every night, you know, this morning he actually had a late start at his school. The Hopkins School District has has two-hour late starts once a month on Thursdays. So this happened to be a day where, where he had a two-hour late start. So he was home with me in the morning since I'm working night today. Sure. So we hung out in the morning. And sure enough, you know, he actually, I don't know if he saw something pop up on MLB Network. I was in the other room. We have a contractor doing some work at our house right now. So I was talking to the contractor. And he screams to me. He's like, Fernando Rodney to the Twins. 
You know, and I knew there was a chance. But, you know, just even even stuff like that. I mean, we're talking baseball nonstop. He wanted to go get some cards last week, so we went to downtown Hopkins. There's a card shop there, so we picked up a couple packs. You know, he had been doing well in school. He had earned the right to, to get a couple packs of cards. So we went to go get a couple packs of cards. Then we went over to Big Ten to grab some hoagies for lunch, sat down and watched some football. I mean, even my six-year-old. You know, I just sure. I, I love talking – I love talking baseball, core. I love talking sports with my six-year-old. And then, you know, my dad, you know, I mean, God rest his soul, you know, but he was, he was a diehard sports guy. So, you know, it's been passed down, that's for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, so I, I was born in 81, and I, I grew up in Cottage Grove, not far from West St. Paul. So I, I kind of had the same sure. uh, same area roots, I guess, that you, than you did. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I same conference, right? I mean, Henry Sibley Park at Cottage yeah. Grove. I mean, I remember Sam Jacobson yeah. back in the day. You know, probably a well. You'd be a little bit older than Sam, I suppose. You know, almost the Younger. same age. I remember. You know, there were some great battles back in high school. Henry Sibley against Park Cottage Grove. No, uh, sorry, I said eighty-one. Uh, Sam, I think graduated in what ninety-five from high school. Okay, so y- y- you were born in eighty-one. I was born in eighty-one. Okay, so I you would have graduated really high poorly. school ninety-eight. Ninety. I'm. I was a nineteen-year-old senior. I had. I, I had some health issues as a very young. Okay, so ninety-nine. Okay, yeah. So Sam would have graduated high school. You're right. Like ninety-four. Yeah. yeah. So Sam's got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My bad there, Corey. Yeah. Sam's got a few years. I, in, yeah. I said it poorly, but yeah. But yeah, I, I was. He was kind of my high high school, like even elementary, junior high, like first like sports idol. I guess making appointment viewing, making sure I would go to every game. That was. That was Sam for me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I remember. I mean, it's not like the Henry Sibley gym was packed for for every boys' basketball game. But when Sam Jacobson showed up, trust me, it was it was standing room only. You know, I mean, he sure. was so good. You know, and I remember all mm-hmm. the offers he had, and and ultimately, you know, the Gophers landed him. You know, he had a chance to to have a lengthy NBA career. It didn't work out that way, but he put himself in a position you know, to have a lengthy mm-hmm. career. I mean, he was that good. I mean, you knew that back in high school. You knew watching him as a junior yeah. in high school, senior in high school, that guy is going to make money one day playing basketball. That's how good he is, you know, or was. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, as you're a 15, 16-year-old, you know, and you see that, you know, up close like that, you know, not that we didn't have the occasional, you know, run-in with an athlete. I remember, you know, when the Bills and the Redskins were here playing in the Super Bowl, you know, having some access to the Buffalo Bills at their team hotel. You know, doing things like that. You know, I remember in 94 when the NBA All-Star Game was here, you know, having some up-close and, mm-hmm. and personal interactions with with some NBA guys. You know, but it was few and far between. But when you saw an athlete that special, you know, up-close like that, right in your school's gym, it was, it was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I've been jaded since. You know, you think about being in this business 20 years, you know, pretty much have seen it all, experienced it all. You know, <laughs> but back then when you're 15, 16, you're still wide eyed, you know, so it was, sure. it was, it was really cool. I mean, those, those were, I mean, it goes without saying, I mean, you know, you think about 15, 16, 17, 18, you know, those years in high school, then, then I went to the university of Minnesota, you know, you didn't have, mm-hmm. you know, life's worries. Like for example, mm-hmm. you know, I, I said, I have a contractor in my house right now. We have a little bit of a mold issue. You know, like those are things you think about or worry about or have to worry about when you're 16, 17, 18. You know, you, no. you have, a, you know, an innocence about yourself when you're that young. So I miss those days, trust me. Life, life becomes way more complicated the older you get. <laughs> Agreed. 
fun in different ways too. Like you can, you can drive somewhere where you want to, or you can have a beer once in a while. It's different um, as you get older, but yeah, more responsibility. I, I, I completely agree with that. Um, but yeah, uh, you mentioned your six year old can watch MLB network on, on TV. And that kind of brings me to a point. I, I I'm curious about your, your view um, with things like Twitter, Facebook, social media, um, how how do you view social media today as far as, as where we are in, in terms of news and, and sports news? Um, because I, I see like your feed when you put out Twins did something or, or Vikings did something, you're very, um, it, it seems like everybody that answers you has kind of a negative tone. How, how do you handle, how do you handle uh, your uh, social media um presence, I guess. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, there are a good amount of, of negative tweets or messages I get on Facebook or even my email, you know, or even in person, you know, from time to time, somebody will say something, maybe not necessarily about me, but about the local teams and, you know, think that I'm too positive or whatever it might be. You know, you just you treat people with kindness the best you can. Now, if somebody wants to take a personal shot at me, you know, heck, I can take my own personal shots. I can be self-deprecating, you know, face for radio and all that, you know, but if somebody wants to take a shot, you know, that, that I'm overweight or something like that, if it gets personal like that, I have no problem using the mute button or the block button on, on Twitter. Otherwise, you know, my, my thought, Corey, is if somebody takes the time to reach out to me, I will do my best to reach back to them. I can't claim sure. to respond to every tweet or Facebook message just because I don't see every single one. Sometimes the timeline gets filled. You don't scroll down far enough. So there are tweets I miss. Or if somebody tweets me, you know, 10 times in the span of two hours, which has happened before, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. going to get back to every single tweet. If there's 10 questions, I'll get back to one, you know, mm-hmm. because I still have a personal life. You know, I still have, yeah. you know, my professional yeah. life that, that pays me. Like, I'd like mm-hmm. to believe that being active on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, those sorts of things drives people to watch me on Channel 5 or listen to me on 1500 ESPN. But there's mm-hmm. no real way, Corey, to quantify that. I don't know. You know, I'd like to think so, but I have no idea. In fact, there might be a lot of people that tweet me that have no idea I am on TV or that I'm on local mm-hmm. radio. You know? Sure. They might know that I do a podcast just because I tweet out links to it constantly, you know, mm-hmm. but that's the goal, right? I mean, the hope is that, that the Hubbards who are really nice to me, you know, my employer, you know, that I can drive an audience that otherwise maybe wouldn't be watching us or listening to mm-hmm. us. I can drive that audience to the TV or to the radio to listen to a Hubbard entity. That's the hope. You know, but my thought again is, sure. Corey, if, if somebody wants to reach out to me, I darn well better get back to them because deep down what makes me more of an authority than anybody else, than you, than my neighbor, right? I mean, sure. Do I have access to some folks? I do. You know, so I lean on those folks, but like, I don't know anything more about the game of football than my neighbor. Like if somebody Mm -hmm. wants to ask me X's and O's on football, I have no problem saying, I don't know. You know, I didn't play the game. I, I don't study that stuff. You know, when it comes to news, sure. Do I know a lot of people? That's what happens when you work in this business 20 years. You build up one heck mm-hmm. of a Rolodex. You get to know a lot of people. 
you know? So, yeah, do I know a lot of people? Do I have a lot of cell phones and do a lot of text messaging? I do. You know, so I guess from that standpoint, maybe I know a little bit more than others. But, but when it comes to being mm-hmm. an authority or having an opinion, my opinion doesn't mean anything more than anybody else. It really doesn't. Sure. Well, I I have absolutely appreciated your work for years, and I I know the first time I started hearing your name, and I was telling my dad about who you were, I was explaining, I was describing you and the work that you do years ago as um, my generation's Charlie Walters, if that makes sense, or or further back Sid Hartman. Yeah, as far no, as like that the yeah. person that gives like your scoop podcast is kind of what. I grew up on as far as what Charlie Walters did in, in the pioneer press is, is he, are those people that you kind of looked for when you were growing up um, to motivate you to do what you do now? Not necessarily growing up Corey, but I okay. figured I had to reinvent myself. So, sure. you know, growing <laughs> up, you know, I was always this big sports fan. I laid out that I played baseball, played a lot of basketball, wasn't quite good enough to play through high school, but always had a passion for sports so my senior mm-hmm. year at Henry Sibley, I did a mentorship class, and it turned out the professor had a connection at Channel 5. So I ended up doing oh, a cool. mentorship with Joe Schmidt. So then I got okay. into the TV business. My mom at the time said, hey, you always listen to KFAN. Why don't you reach out to the fan and see if you can hang out there for a couple hours a week? You know, you're, you're, I had school service with the nurse. I had study hall. My senior year in high school was a breeze. Junior year was tough. (laughs) Senior year was so easy. I'm sure it's gotten a lot harder over the years. But my senior year in high school was a piece of cake. So I had all this free time. (laughs) I was working at a clean and press in West St. Paul for for some gas money. You know, but I was working like 20 hours a week. So I still had some free time because I wasn't playing sports. You know, I had Mm -hmm. seventh hour release. I was out of school by like 1 o'clock every day. Mm -hmm. So it's like I've got all this free time. Why not find something to do? So I ended up reaching out to a guy by the name of Eric Webster, who used to be on the fan many, many years ago. He took me Mm -hmm. under his wing. Joe Schmidt took me under his wing. You know, so I started to learn about TV, learn about radio, ended up getting accepted into the University of Minnesota, you know, majored in journalism. You know, so I'm taking classes. I'm working. You know, those mentorships actually turned into paid gigs eventually, you know, more so off mic, off air, a little bit on air at KFAN. But I wasn't on TV at Channel 5 at the time. You know, I was more producing, a lot of behind-the-scenes work. You know, but, but I was enjoying myself. But then in 2000, you know, I'm about to turn 21. I'm 20, about to turn 21. It's like late 2000. And I just said, you know what, between taking all these classes, trying to get my degree, you know, working multiple nights at the fan, working a couple days a week at Channel 5, I just couldn't keep doing it all. I had to have some semblance of a personal life. You know, I'm living mm-hmm. with all my buddies in Dinky Town. They're partying on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights, you know, and I just felt like I missed out on some stuff. So I decided I liked radio more. So I tendered my resignation at Channel 5. They understood. You know, we parted on good terms. Ended up eventually getting a full-time job at KFAN. Ended up just doing radio, figuring it's fun. I get to talk sports, but it's more entertainment, you know, some informational you know, but, but mostly just entertainment, you know, and I started to work with Sid Hartman's son, Chad, Chad Hartman, who's now on WCCO radio, you know, Chad and I are still very close to this day, 
you know, he was on with Dan Barrero, who used to work at the Star Tribune, who's now the afternoon host at the Fan. You know, so I was interning for that show, Chad and Barrero, way back in the day. Then the two of them split. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going with Chad, ended up being his sidekick and his producer. You know, so I figured, hey, you know, I mean, it was paying relatively well. I wasn't married or anything like that. So, you know, I felt like, hey, I could do this for a while. You know, and I felt like the business was going to continue to grow and grow. So I figured there might be some more opportunities. But then in 2009, you know, then Clear Channel laid off 2,000 employees nationwide. You know, Chad and me got caught up in that storm. So we got laid Mm -hmm. off. Now, you know, the severance was nice, but but then I'm out of a job. So this was January of 2009. In fact, you know, my birthday happens to be January 20th. I got laid off on January 20th, 2009. I'm getting married October 24th, 2009. So you think about needing to save money. It was just, it was a horrible time to get laid off. You know, so at Mm -hmm. that point, Corey, I figured I need to find a way to reinvent myself. So I looked at the landscape, figuring I've got all these contacts. You know, Chad was still a dear friend. And again, to this day, he's a dear friend. You know, so I Mm -hmm. leaned on him for a lot of advice, you know, and we came up with the idea, you know, and it helped that that Sid was right there too, you know, and Mm -hmm. came up with the idea that, that, you know, Sid at the time would have been, whatever, 91, 92, although I'm convinced Sid's the bionic man, but but at some point, (laughs) Sid wasn't going to keep writing. I knew at the time that Charlie Walters, he's married to a doctor, I knew at the time that Charlie was looking to retire. I didn't know what quite his end date would be, but I knew it would be soon. So I figured whether it was 2010, 2011, 2012, Charlie wasn't going to write three or four times a week. Now, it turns out Charlie still writes one column a week now. You know, but I knew that Charlie wasn't, wasn't looking to work full-time for many more years. You know, I knew about Mike Max in town, that Mike's a bulldog, you know, but with all due respect, I figured if that's the only guy really digging for information, being an information guy, I can beat him. I can top that. So, you know, I rediscovered myself, you know, and that's about when Twitter started to, to I don't want to say blow up, but it became somewhat popular. I joined Twitter in March of '09. You know, tried to expand, you know, the, the social media presence. And then I leaned on, on some contacts I had built up. So I ended up working for MLB Network. That's when MLB Network had just launched. So I have a friend that's, that's a big wig at MLB Network. So I actually ended up working spring training for them. So I had all sorts of great access to the Braves, the Rays, the Blue Jays, the Pirates. I helped them that, that March with their 30 clubs and 30 days series. So I was making money that way. I was still getting paid for my severance. Then I had a connection to CBSSports.com. Heard they were looking to hire beat reporters for each NFL team. Ended up covering the Vikings that year for CBSSports.com. Great national website. You know, that's, that's when Favre joined the team. The Vikings go to the NFC Championship sure. game. You know, they fly me to New Orleans. It was fantastic. But I also knew mm-hmm. that I had to find a full-time job. So Joe Schmidt, who I'd known going back to the mentorship in 19... 19- it would have been the fall of 1996 into 97, 98, 99, 2000. Joe was working for Tom Petters. Tom Petters' company blows up. Tom Petters is still in jail to this day for a Ponzi scheme. Mm-hmm. Joe was looking for a job. You know, he didn't have a job anymore. Channel 5 can never adequately replace him. They went through a couple sports guys. They could never find a suitable replacement for Joe. So they brought Joe back January of 2010. Joe and I had always remained in contact. He knew I was looking for a job. While at KFAN, Channel 9 started to use me on air. 
their former news director, Ted Canova, took a real liking to me, had me come in, audition on camera, read the teleprompter. He's like, hey, we want to use you as a fill-in. I have 15 to 20 dates a year where you can fill in and anchor for us. You know, we'll find a role for you. So I got experience on camera, first at Channel 9. You know, then when the Vikings became really popular, Channel 4 started to use me on their morning show, you know, because the Vikings were the hot talker, you know, that 09 season. So I was getting on camera experience, mm-hmm. Channel 4 and Channel 9. You know, so Joe Schmidt had known that. Joe comes back to Channel 5 in January of 2010, and the first hire he made, he was given the keys to the sports department, was me. You know, so I've been back here at Channel 5 ever since, you know, January of 2010. But, but I had carved out that, that role of digging for information, Corey. You know, so it continues yeah. to this day. You know, every Thursday at 6.50 on Channel 5, I do, you know, a TV report called The Scoop. You know, I do The Scoop podcast. You know, I do a, a regular segment on radio, whether it's Wednesday, Thursdays, or Fridays on the Mackey and Judd Show on 1500 ESPN. I'm omnipresent as much as I can be on, on Twitter, you know, so I take a pride, you know, I, I take a lot of pride in, in digging for information, you know, finding stuff out that, that people don't know. And a lot of it goes back to when I did radio with Chad Hartman. I mean, Chad and Sid know everybody. So they introduced me to a ton of people, you know, so I've leaned on relationships going back, you know, five, 10, 15 years, you know, like I first got to know Paul Molitor way back in the day. He used to come in the studio with Chad and me at the fan, you know, so I've known Paul Molitor really sure. well going back like 15 years. Heck, I remember it was Paul, his then girlfriend, Destiny, who's now his wife, me, mm-hmm. and the girl I was dating at the time, who's not my current wife. We all hung out one night. I had four tickets to the Sting concert at Northrop Auditorium on the campus of the University of Minnesota. Paul and Destiny, sure. we hung out all night. Like we sat there like... You know, Destiny's like, hey, I'll go grab us drinks. Like, because Paul's like, I don't want to go up there. People will recognize me. Because he was still a Hall of Fame player, right? I mean, he was mm-hmm. Paul Molitor. You know, so, I mean, I remember stuff like that. I remember Ron Gardenhire hanging out with me at Hog's Breath. I don't even know if that's still around, a bar in Roseville one night. Ron was in studio with us one day, and I was doing an appearance that night at Hog's Breath, and Ron lived in that direction. You know, so Chad just randomly says on air, hey, Ron, if you don't have plans tonight, you know, Doogie's doing this appearance at Hog's Breath. Sure enough, Ron and Carol Gardenhire hung out with me for four hours. I'll never forget that. I mean, Ron Gardenhire has the biggest heart imaginable. You know, so you just you got to know people that way. I used to have these deep conversations with the late Herb Brooks. We used to have Herb on regularly. Sure. You know, God rest his soul. You know, I got to know him so well. I mean, Jesse Ventura, before he became governor, was a talk show host at The Fan. Got to know Jesse so well. You know, so you just you lean on... You lean on so many different contacts. I mean, I can call somebody, and if I don't know them directly, my guess is, you know, they might know Chad Hartman or Sid Hartman. So I'll name drop. I mean, it's been a while since I've done that, but I used to do that, you know, just to get it in with somebody, you know. So, I mean, there's just there's a lot of people I know throughout the sports world. And so to this day, I lean on those contacts. So, you know, when you see that I've got some sort of scoop or some sort of piece of information, it circles all the way back to – to building those relationships in the in the late '90s, the early 2000s, when I was working at the Fan under Chad Hartman. Sure. Well, yeah, I, I guess I'm curious how how like a, a scoop for you comes to fruition. Like, do you stay on Twitter? Is there like a, a magic ticker tape that you have access to? Like, I, I know people just following your Twitter handle um, ask you probably constantly. 
are the Twins doing this? Are the Vikings doing this? And it's not like necessarily you have a magic ball telling you that, but how how does a scoop come to fruition where you're able to report it out? Like, how do you, how do you, what is that process like? Well, I mean, deep down, I mean, even though I've been jaded by working in the business, Corey, I'm still a fan at heart. So a lot of those questions that fans have, I'm wondering the same thing. Like, I'm wondering, okay, the Wolves need bench help. Sean Kilpatrick is a good player. Just got caught up in a storm in Brooklyn. They had to make a roster move. They had too many wings. Sean Kilpatrick is an NBA player. He could help the Wolves. Well, okay, do I know somebody that knows Sean? Hey, sure enough, I do. You know, so I reach out to that person. Hey, you know, what about the Wolves? You know, do they have any interest in Sean? No, we called them. You know, but the Wolves just don't have interest in Sean. Well, okay, then I have the answer right there. Hey, you know, Sean Kilpatrick has tried to land on the Wolves, which makes logical sense. Like, he's unemployed. He needs a job. He feels like he's an NBA player. He doesn't want to go back to the G League. You know, so it's it's stuff like that. Like, I think about that stuff all the time. I probably don't sleep much beyond five and a half or six hours a night. You know, I usually am up past midnight, and I'm up by 6 a.m. You know, so I'm on my phone a good amount. You know, especially late at night when the family's asleep because those two boys and my wife still take priority over everything else. You know, so mm-hmm. I have to make sure that, that, you know, that my work doesn't get in the way. It has at times. And you know, my wife yells at me all the time for being on the phone too much. You know, but, <laughs> but I'm always curious. I'm sending a lot of text messages. You know, I mean, phone conversations take time. Text somebody, hopefully they text you back. Boom. You know, it takes a few seconds. You know, so I'm always I'm always reaching out on, on information. Like, I don't have the answer if Kyle Rudolph, for example, will play on Sunday. I didn't practice again today. The reason mm-hmm. I don't have the answer is I've tried. There's some people I know that are close to Kyle. I've reached out to them. They would have the answer. You know, hopefully I'll find out by, by maybe tomorrow. But I've tried. Like, I'm curious. Is Kyle Rudolph going to play against his hometown team, the Bengals? You know, so you reach sure. out and, and you see if somebody's got the answer. You know, and... Heck, you know, a lot of, whether it's general managers, coaches, agents, players, it's a two-way street. Like, people aren't just giving me information. You have to give them information. So, like, Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. You know, somebody tipped me off that the Padres were really considering Cole Stewart in today's Rule 5 draft. Ultimately, he Mm -hmm. doesn't get taken, but the Padres were the team more than anybody else to watch on that. Well, the person who tipped me off on that said, hey – if you hear of other teams that have interest, please let me know. Well, you know, so I'm doing some texting. It turns out, maybe it's the Terry Ryan connection or not, but it turns out I heard that the Phillies had a little bit of interest in Cole Stewart. So I gave that information to the person who gave me the Padres note. You know, so he's sure. like, thanks. You know, so it's, it's always a two-way street. You know, just you make sure that, that you're not just always asking or begging for information, that you can actually provide information you know, to these people that, that times need it. Like, you know, there's a guy in an American League front office that I know really well, all right? So I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out if the Twins are talking trade with, with his team, all right? Well, I'm not going to just keep mm-hmm. saying, hey, did you meet with the Twins in Orlando? Hey, did the Twins call today? Did the Twins call today? I'm going to be like, hey, I just found out the Twins haven't met with the Mets. You know, some speculation, and in fact, they, they talked to the Mets in November, but but there was some speculation the Twins might talk to the Mets about Matt Harvey or maybe, you know, DeGrom mm-hmm. or, or you name the arm. Well, I found yeah. out through another connection that, no, actually the Twins never met with the Mets down in Orlando. 
You know, so then I bring that information to that American League source. You know, so you got to make sure it's a two-way street. You know, so I, I try to do my best in that regard. There are many times where I will initiate the conversation. You know, hey, have you heard about this? Or do you have an update on that? You know, but I always try to return the favor. You know, so I just, I got to make sure that if you're going to scratch my back, I scratch yours back. Sure. That's awesome. Well, I had one other kind of related social media question, and then I want to talk about baseball again. But I I have a hard time with social media as far as, like, wanting to not just talk about sports. And I don't want to talk politics right now because that's not what this podcast is about. But how do you how, – how do you – deal with just talking about sports through your feed is it difficult or is it something that like I use this podcast specifically so I don't have to think about politics or real world or my kids for a little bit and can just have a release for a little bit like is that kind of how you view your social media feed as well or or how do you view it yeah I mean maybe a little bit more so just because it's my livelihood like Mm -hmm. it pays the bills, right? I mean, it's it's my job, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to look at it a little bit differently. But, yeah, I mean, when you boil it down, I mean, sports is the toy department, right? I mean, not that we don't mm-hmm. occasionally deal with, with some heavy issues. Like I remember showing up at Malik Seeley's townhouse, you know, the morning sure. he died in that car crash on Highway 100. You know, I mean, there are examples like that, you know? But for the most part, you know, sports – like, if, if I miss on a rumor, like, if I reported that the Twins and the Rays were close to a trade with Jaco to Rizzi coming to the Twins, and it turns out that is complete BS, like, really, who cares, right? Like, I can be mm-hmm. like, my bad. You know, and if you end up being wrong a lot, you lose credibility. I'd like to think I've got some credibility. You know, so I'm not going to throw sure. a lot of stuff up against the wall to see if it sticks. You know, like, if I throw something out there, it's because it's been sourced at least somewhat. You know, maybe sometimes it's just one person telling me the information. But I can guarantee you that one person is somebody I trust a ton, you know, and more often than not, you know, I try to get a second or a third source on stuff, you know, I'm not going to just throw stuff up against the wall, but you know, I, you know, it is, it's an escape too, though. I mean, there's, there's no doubt, you know, I mean, heck, the last thing I want to think about right now, Corey is, you know, this mold issue at my house, you know, yeah, we're thinking exactly. about, we're thinking about putting in a bid on, on a house that's just a little bit bigger. That's, that's close to our house right now. So there is a chance, I mean, you just talked about, you know, you just, you know, completed the sale of your house. You know, we may end up putting our house on the market soon. You know, that's a daunting task. That's a lot to Mm -hmm. think about. You know, having a contractor at my house right now, that's a lot to think about. You know, my Mm -hmm. three-year-old being over-aggressive at preschool this morning, that's a lot to think about. My six-year-old, turns out he had a stomachache today. He had to go to the nurse's office. Now he's okay. Mm -hmm. And he actually doesn't have Good. school tomorrow, you know, but he's going to go to a school program, you know, but you start thinking about those things, you know, like I have to work two to 1030 tomorrow. So I'll be on TV tomorrow night. And, you know, it's the TV gig. That's fine. I mean, that comes with the territory, you know, but I'm thinking about, I need to get my hair cut. Like I'm on TV. So I can't have super long hair, you know, so I've got some <laughs> hair that's going over my ears and all that. I need to go get a trim. It's not like a full haircut. I need to find time tomorrow to go get my hair trimmed. As weird as that sounds in this business, a visual medium, you're on TV. I got to get my hair cut. All right. Well, if the three-year-old is home for some reason tomorrow or the six-year-old, you know, he throws up overnight, there goes my schedule tomorrow. You know, so you start thinking about those things. So it complicates things. Life, right? I told you. 
Mm-hmm. Life gets so much more difficult the older you get. You mm-hmm. know? Like, I know that, that our second car, actually, I'm driving that today. I know it needs new tires. Like, I'm getting stuck in, in you know, uh, the goofiest, you know, most innocent of, of snow patches. You know, like, the tires are grinding. Like, I can tell. I need new tires. That these tires will not last the entire winter. You, know, you start thinking about things like that. What am I going to get those tires? Just, you know, all of life's issues. So, yeah, sports can be a complete escape. And I really do enjoy that. And, oh, by the way, it's nice to, you know, make a living out of it, too. You know, but even if I didn't, you know, if I was an accountant or a doctor or an attorney, you know, if I had nothing to do with sports, probably be on social media and listening to talk radio and consuming as much on TV as I could. You know, so it's... It's great, but, but I do have to separate at times. I mean, going back to your original question, Corey, I, I do have to separate at times just knowing that there is a job element to it. You know, there are mm-hmm. things sometimes I want to say that I just know it's not worth opening that can of worms, so I don't go down that road. I think a lot more now than I ever have about what I'm typing before I hit send. There wasn't sure. as much a filter eight, nine years ago. You know, now there's a filter. I really think about, okay, do I really want to send this? Okay, here we go. Or no, let me delete that. I'm not going to send it. You know, so, so yeah, it's an escape, but there's also a job element to it. You know, you got to be careful. Like if, if I called somebody, uh, you know, D-I-C-K on Twitter, and if that person then turned around and reported me to my employer, you know, I don't think necessarily mm-hmm. I'd get fired, but I'd get reprimanded, right? I mean, that goes into a file, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to do stuff yep. like that, you know, so you have to think. And I'm not saying that, that you don't, you know, or others. I mean, heck, anybody could find out where you work if, you know, you go on a personal attack. Somebody could find out where you work and go after sure. your employer, you know. But but I, I do think just being in the media, there's probably a little bit higher bar, you know. So I, I am I am cognizant of that, you know. So it's an escape, but there's also, you know, there's also a filter there too that I got to be careful when when I'm on social media. Yeah, no doubt, and I I I, I have to do the same. I um, not maybe in a different sense because people don't follow me for my sports opinion or whatnot, but I I I feel like I have to watch what I write at times, and I'm not great at it. But I was just curious how you handled that, so I appreciate it. But yeah, um, yeah, I I I guess we could. I wanted to ask about your thoughts on the on the winter meetings. I feel like the winter meetings generally are less movement since Twitter and text messaging over the last 10 years has become a thing for newer front offices. Um, I, I, I kind of didn't expect a lot of moves to happen this week because of how easy it is for people to communicate not face-to-face. But I wanted to get your, your thoughts on maybe what overall what the winter meetings were like this year. I, I, I know you weren't physically there, but um, just like an overall thought on it more than anything, not even just for the Twins, but it, it seemed like there wasn't a lot of major moves this time of year. Yeah, well, I mean, heck, I mean, personally, Corey, I mean, because of those communication mechanisms, it's not like I had to physically be there. Mm-hmm. Like I can text Mike Radcliffe and get a quick scouting report on Pineda or the rule mm-hmm. five pitcher they got from Miami today. Like, mm-hmm. why do I need to be at the dolphin resort 
You know, it's not like you can get up to the twin suite anyway. Like, you know, what's the difference? You know, like, God love Lavelle Neal. I mean, he was in my wedding party, for God's sakes. That's how close Lavelle and I are. <laughs> you know? And, and he does a fantastic job. And I'm sure, you know, seeing people in, in person lays the groundwork for future stories, future tips, like running into all those agents, that's not a bad thing. So there is value in being on the ground. But my point is, I can still accomplish a lot with my phone. You know, so, heck, I had Thad Levine on my podcast a week or two ago. And he's like, yeah, I mean, heck, you know, text messaging and, and all that stuff. You know, I mean, it's not like you need to be there in person. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe, you, maybe you solidify something in person. Like, I know that Billy Bean of the A's, you know, he traded for the outfielder from the Cardinals, Piscotti. Like, yeah. you know, they talked in person, the Cardinals and the A's, but then the trade gets completed as Billy Bean is on his – flight home to the Bay Area today, you know, or mm-hmm. yesterday or whenever it was, you know. So, yeah, I mean, heck, as long as you can communicate one way or another, it doesn't necessarily have to be in person, you know. So, you know, I mean, I reach out to a lot of people. You know, I know a lot of people with the Twins. I know a lot of agents. I know people in other front offices. I know people on on, on some other coaching staffs. You know, you think about, you know, all the all the people that have worked for the Twins over the years, now some of those people are scattered around with with other organizations, you know. So you build up enough of of a contact list with a number of teams where you know I just I'll reach out to those people whether it's email, text, occasionally pick up the phone and call. You know, you just you glean information that way, you know. But yeah, I mean, you know, overall, I mean, there were some moves. I mean, I don't remember quite frankly how many moves there were. 2016 winter meetings, 2015, you know, 2010, you know. 1998, you know, I mean, I guess I can't remember. Maybe there were more moves at those meetings than this one. But, heck, a lot of those free agents wait, especially the big-name ones. Like, I didn't think J.D. Martinez was signing this week. I didn't think Hugh Darvish was signing this week or Jake Arrieta or any number of Scott Boros clients. You know, so it, it, it takes some time, you know. But, yeah, I mean, heck, you see one reliever go, and then it starts to get crazy. You know, that's when teams panic. You know, so you see one reliever go, then all of a sudden five relievers are off the board. You know, so that didn't surprise me once the first reliever went off the board. I don't remember who it was. Was it Gregerson maybe? I don't remember who it was. But but one reliever sure. goes, you know, maybe it was Brian Shaw to the Rockies or Jake McGee to the Rockies, you know, whoever it was. And then it's, you know, there's a domino effect there. You know, so it'll it'll pick up a little bit more as we go on, but, Baseball free agency is a slow play. Like, I do a lot with NBA free agency, NFL free agency, you know. That's pretty much all done in the span of 72 hours, you know. I mean, there's a second wave in the NFL and a third wave, and there's a second wave in the NBA. But anybody of real significance signs, like, within 72 hours or agrees to terms within 72 hours. Baseball, this thing takes months, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, you know, people are, are tweeting me today, Corey, saying, you know, I hear the Twins are serious about you, Darvish, you know. Mm-hmm. They've been serious for a month. Like, nothing is new yeah. today compared to <laughs> November 14th, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and there's no cutoff. So maybe it's because the reports are out there, you know. Heck, you know, you think about all those writers in Orlando. I mean, their employers are paying for them to be there, so they need to produce content one way or another. So you just mm-hmm. you, you put out a bunch of content, whether it's Twitter, blogs, you know, the newspaper stories, you have to pump out a lot of content, 
You know, so maybe it's because of that. But, you know, just my answer on you, Darvish, is the interest is the same today as it was November 14th, one month ago. Sure. Well, and part of, for me, the winter meetings, um, that doesn't get the same hype as the big-name players that could be traded. It's it's a job interview for a lot of people that are wanting to intern and with minor league baseball and with major league baseball, as well as a lot of players that are maybe – not the bigger name players that are just hoping to meet and kind of, I guess, beg for a chance at a spring training invite with anybody that will take them. And that's kind of the fun of it too, just to hopefully find a job come January, February, March in a lot of ways. I, I, I worked in minor league baseball for a little bit with the saints and then in Massachusetts with the team. And it, it's, it's kind of a, I don't know if meat market's the right term, but it's kind of a, it's a job interview more than anything other than just the major league side. Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, I actually helped broadcast St. Paul Saints games 09 and 10. In fact, Brandon Kinsler was on the Saints for a stretch in 09. You know, so I got to sure. know him a little bit, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I remember talking to the play-by-play guy, Sean Aronson, who's still with the Saints to this day, great guy. You know, he used mm-hmm. to go down to the winter meetings all the time. You know, my buddy John Laser, who's the play-by-play voice of Virginia Tech football, Virginia Tech basketball. John used to go to the winter meetings every year looking for a job. So, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. that's the part that, that, yeah, the public really doesn't know about. But, yeah, it's much more than, you know, the major league teams having suites and, and you know, teams talking trades and meeting with agents. There's a lot more going on. I mean, heck, the Twins had with – media relations guy, traveling secretary. I believe the number was 20 to 22 individuals down there. You know, it's not like all 20 are going to meet with the Tampa Bay Rays. Like when they're talking about mm-hmm. Jaco to Rizzi, it's not like it's, it's 18 members of the twins contingent meeting with the Rays. It's, it's Derek Falvey. It's Thad Levine. And it might just be those two. Maybe it's Rob Antony as well. Maybe it's Aaron Falwell, Mike Radcliffe, but it's a select few but they have all their data and research guys down there because there's some meetings that they have to attend. You know, Sean Johnson is down there, director of, of amateur scouting, or Sean's in charge of the draft, whatever his official title mm-hmm. is. You know, he's got meetings that they're going over some rule stuff and, and some other things. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on at the winter meetings that, that a lot of people have no idea about. Well, and, and you mentioned that they brought a lot of their data and analytics people with them. Is that it's new for the twins, but is that comparable to what other teams bring as far as front office to the winter meetings? Or, or yeah, I mean, I think the twins that... are playing catch up. I mean, even from last year, like the twins had eight to 10 more people in Orlando this year compared to the winter meetings last year because of data and research, you know, development and, and analytics and all that, you know, I mean, they hired a guy from the Rays the other day and, you know, he was there sure. and, and they have this guy named Adler, you know, that was there. You know, he wasn't with the Twins last year. You know, so the Twins are playing catch-up. But, yeah, for the most part, yeah. I mean, I, I would say a good majority of, of teams have that many people, you know. So, I mean, that's that's one good with Derek Falvey and Thad Levine. You know, I mean, you know, not to not to downplay Terry Ryan. I mean, Terry accomplished a lot. I consider Terry a friend, you know. I'm happy that, mm-hmm. that he's enjoying life with the Philadelphia Phillies. You know, but the Twins were well behind the times. I remember talking to Mike Radcliffe last week or two weeks ago. You know, we talked on the Scoop podcast, and then we talked for a little bit off microphone. You know, and he told me the difference is Mike makes his home in the uh, in the Kansas City area. But he's up here often, but he doesn't live here in the mm-hmm. Twin Cities. 
you know. So mm-hmm. he had gone like four or five months between trips into town just because he went down to the Dominican. He went somewhere else for a scouting trip a number of places. So he hadn't been to the Twin Cities in like a four or five month span. He told me, he walks into the office and he goes, there's these new cubicles. There's faces I hadn't seen. I knew we had hired people, but he goes, it was so, it was so just unbelievable. He goes, I was just blown away by the number of people that were now in baseball operations compared to, you know, three, four years ago. You know, so the the Twins had to play catch-up, Corey, in so many ways. So, you know, they're getting there. In fact, they're about there. But, but it you know, it took a full year. You know, you think about going back a year with, with Falvey and Levine taking over. You know, they're finally getting to where they should be. They're catching up to a number of organizations. Sure, and and it is refreshing to hear. And I I kind of – so I was listening to a different podcast um, – and I was curious why Twins fans, maybe it's just because I am a Twins fan and from here, but it feels like whenever a move is made on social media, it's really easy to read the comments and have them all be negative, where the Cubs the other day signed Drew Smiley to basically the same deal that the Twins got Michael Pineda for, and Cubs fans basically were saying, hey, sweet, he's ready for 2019, Drew Smiley, he'll help us then. And the like generally comments for the twin signing Michael Pineda were negative and he's not going to help in 2018. What are they doing? They don't know what they're doing. Like, yeah, what I would you just, I don't think a, a lot of those fans quite fan? get it. I mean, I hate to, yeah, I don't I hate to go negative like on the how, fans. And Corey, let me, let me caution you real quick too. I, I do have to get back to the, uh, to the TV yeah. job. I have some video I need to edit here in a few minutes that, that airs in the next 20 minutes. So, uh, the paid gig is is going to steal me away from you here in a few minutes, but I, hear, I just I think some it. of those fans, <laughs> some of those some of those loud fans, just don't get it. I don't think they represent a majority of the fan base. Like I'll give you an sure. example. All right, so Joe Schmidt talked to this men's club at Tanucci's in Newport a couple weeks ago. Okay, yep. he he ends up getting a gift certificate for for talking to them. He ended up selling some books too, so it worked out for Joe. But he ends up getting a gift certificate to Tanushi's. So he tells Chris Long and me last week, hey, when you guys are done at Vikings, this is last Wednesday, you know, it's on me. I'm going to order lunch for the office. You know, he's like, I've got this gift certificate. You know, I'll throw you some cash. Let's get a ton of food. You know, so Chris and, and me are like, yeah, we'll go pick it up. If, if you're paying, you know, you buy, we'll fly. So Chris and me mm-hmm. go to Tanucci's last Wednesday. And they end up recognizing us just, just from TV. So the guy is like, hey, do you want to see where Joe Schmidt did the speech? You know, one of the managers of Tanucci's. So we're like, sure. So we're mm-hmm. thinking that he's just going to show us the room that Joe talked in. We go into the room. We, we go through these doors. There's like 150 guys in this room. It turns out they meet every Wednesday over the lunch hour. I didn't connect huh. the dots, though. Joe had told me he had spoken to the group the week prior. He didn't say that the group met every Wednesday at lunch. So Chris and me walk into this room, and sure enough, <laughs> you know, these guys start firing questions at us left and right. I can promise you, Corey, I can just tell you, because we were in there for good. We ended up giving an impromptu speech about the local sports scene. In fact, uh, we ended up with our own gift certificate for, for doing it. And I can promise you, Corey, those 115 to 125 might have even been 150 guys 
there might be five that are on social media. So mm-hmm. I, just, I, I don't think that that Twitter and social media really represents, you know, a good portion of the fan base. I, I think it's a tiny amount. I really do. And I just think when people want to be negative, no matter what it is in life, they are the loudest. People sure. don't go out of their way to be positive. They just don't. Like, I can't tell you how many emails I have saved over the years. You know, somebody taking a shot for something I did on TV. You know, TV, a visual medium. You know, so somebody doesn't like a tie I'm wearing or thinks I'm too fat. You know, I don't belong on TV. Whatever it might be. I can't tell you how many emails I've gotten over the years. It is a very small amount of emails I've gotten that say, hey, good job. Appreciate you. You know, there's just, I don't know if there's just this expectation, whatever it might be. So I, I think it's the same way with, with social media. I really do. That when people are pissed off, that's when they're the loudest. When they're satisfied, it's just, it's, it's life as normal. You know, so I think plenty of people like the Pineda signing. You know, there's a chance there. There's not a lot of risk there. I personally like the signing. You know, but but I get it because the fans that are that are upset are the ones that are the loudest. So they were on social media, you know, the other day ripping the move. But I I don't mm-hmm. think those fans represent a majority of the fan base. I really don't. Yeah, I I like to hope you're right. <laughs> so yeah, I I just want to say one more time, um, thank you for coming on. I I really enjoyed just chatting with you a little bit and you finding the time for this. I appreciate it, but. Um, do you want to give one more time? I'm sure everybody listening knows your Twitter handle, but if you want to put it out there so people can contact you with other questions, I'm, I know people would appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think so, Corey. Don't don't give me that much credit. It's D Wolfson KSTP at D Wolfson. So first initial, first name, my entire last name Wolfson, and then I work for KSTP TV. So those call letters are are in my Twitter handle. So D Wolfson KSTP Corey, I'm always happy to come on as long as the schedules match up. You know, I hear you. I feel you. Trust me. We each have three year olds. So we're very much alike. We're about the same age. You know, so we have a lot in common. So anytime you want to have me on, as long as the schedules match up, I'm always happy to come on. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. That'd be really fun. So I won't keep you any longer. And I, I um, just thank you again for this. This was really, really, this was really a great time. You got it, Corey. Happy holidays to you and yours. Same to you. All right. Well, with that, this is uh, the 26th episode of Baseball is Good. That was Darren Wilson. I had a blast chatting with him, and um, I hope everyone listening enjoyed that too. I I really enjoy talking non-specific baseball moves. I, I know Darren could have used his time. Um, here to talk about specific moves that were made for the twins or what he thinks will happen. And I, I, this podcast, I think I I try to shy away um, from that at times. And I just had a blast chatting with him. So I hope you enjoyed it too. And if you have any questions, um, Darren Wilson is, is very open on social media. And if you want to chat baseball with me or anything else, my Twitter handle is E-N-G-E, then the number is 0280. So, yeah, hit me up if you want. Otherwise, I hope you enjoyed listening, and I hope you have a good rest of your week. Have a good day.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 